This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast with Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez. Today we will be recapping the Wine Country Line Dance Workshop with Amy Glass Bailey and Darren Bailey held in Sonoma County on March 30th. Well, technically 29th and 30th. 29th was the technique workshop, but mostly on the 30th in 2019. Megan, if we were to take this way, way back to the genesis of the idea for this workshop, when and how did that come about? Um, I remember speaking very early with Dolly in the year. And when I say the year, that was two years ago. So it was in the first few months of, I believe, 2017. And we were talking about holding a workshop and we were talking about who I thought and she thought would be good instructors to invite. And uh, it was decided upon reaching out to Amy and Darren and it just so happened that they were free on the weekend that we wanted. So we were able to get the ball rolling about two years ago. And this was also the weekend that Boston Showdown was being held. So there may have been a group of people who would have gone to this that went to that, or vice versa. But all things considered, with all the excitement in the dance world that happens during these months, I think it turned out okay. <clears throat> when did we start doing Save the Dates and handing out flyers and all that good stuff? Well, that was actually a lot later than both Dolly and I were originally anticipating. I believe her first official Save the Date flyer was brought to uh, the Vegas Dance Explosion just this last year in 2018. I think that was when we had our first official flyer. Obviously, there was the word of mouth that we were promoting prior to that, but flyer-wise, that would have been it. And where were some of the places where you brought flyers? We, we had discussed that um, this event had a lot of overlap, and there were people here that might otherwise not go to what you'd think of as a line dance event, uh, yet they still did because you met them at this place or that and put a flyer in their hands. Where were some of those places? Well, I definitely, like I said, um, Vegas... Lion Dance Explosion 2018. Dolly brought a bunch of flyers there. Uh, but some of the places that I focused on advertising had to do with uh, reaching out just to some of our uh, SoCal friends that we've had the pleasure of attending events with, going and dancing on the stagecoach team with them, as well as just at their local bars. And we've just been friends for the last few years. I've reached out to them. I certainly tagged and or shared the event posts that Brenda Chateau had created in uh, the Wine Country Line Dance on Facebook. I tagged a bunch of people in that. Uh, but some of the other places that I focused on was obviously where we teach, which is Sonoma State University, Pengrove, Twin Oaks Roadhouse, as well as um, Hot Monk in Nevada. I did a lot of advertising there. 
as well as I was lucky enough to be able to talk to several of the people I had met when I was attending the event in Cambria just this year. And we went out dancing later at the San Luis Obispo grad. And so I, I had talked to some of to those people and was able to get them interested in the event. And they ended up signing up and, and coming in and joining us as well as uh, saddle rack in Fremont. I did a lot of promotion there for the couple of days or the few times that I had attended as well as I did mention to a few people at Stoney's as well at uh, Sacramento. Coming out of Boogie Till the Cows Come Home the previous week and heading into this event, I, I remember both of our thoughts shifting toward the oncoming event more than reflecting on the previous event. What were some of those thoughts that uh, occupied your mind so that we were sure to be as prepared as possible? Well, some of the things that I think make a lasting impression is the something extra. And I was really trying to focus on what was some of the things that we as a wine country line dance could offer to make memorable for people attending. That this is not just a, you know, you go into a cold room with no decorations and mediocre sound quality and, you know, maybe not the greatest lighting or anything like that. And they just kind of exist in the moment as opposed to something where, for instance, I think of how Michelle Burton and Michael Barr have the flamingo theme in Palm Springs. And that's just that fun something extra that people really just enjoy. And I think about how uh, they also, Michael and Michelle, offer like themes each year for Boogie Till the Cows Come Home. I thought about how uh, Jen Cameron's Fun in the Sun has the kids' classes. I thought about how Jamie Marshall and uh, Fort Wayne has like the puzzles and the photo booth, or sorry, the photo booth, the photo albums, and like that kind of stuff available to people. And there's just certain things that just a little bit extra that allow people to just kind of enjoy it and relax and know that this is a really good fun time. And we're also here getting to experience the event, which is learning and dancing with people that they know and don't know. And I was just trying to think of like what we have experience with that we could certainly bring to make it extra and how to just make this this event run smoothly and potentially um, get ahead of any kind of situation or problem that may occur and being able to fight the fire before anybody notices there's even smoke, you know, that kind of situation. And it was a different experience for me because, like you said, like we really weren't focused on the reflecting of Boogie Till the Cows Come Home because I think also we had a different, a different level investment, at least for me, uh, when it came to this event because this is something like you had, we had mentioned earlier that like I would have been working with Dolly very closely for the last two years on. And this was my first experience in being part of the host side of the equation. Like I've definitely done the dancer. I have been lucky enough to do the instructor and be a part of the staff. I've certainly done the volunteer 
And now I was able to be in the really far background scene and just kind of getting it piece by piece together. And it was certainly an amazing experience. And I'm looking forward to our 10-year celebration next year as well. What about you? What kind of thoughts were you focused on? Oh, gosh. I don't fully recall uh, as it has been a week. (laughs) And I did a lot of sleeping today, the day after the event. So my brain cells are all reorganizing themselves. (laughs) But uh, I would say that I was very concentrated on playlist and figuring out how to take all of any, the very many requests that were sent in in advance and rearrange those in a way that Darren could, you know, take breaks, Amy could take breaks, but they would get their dances played. Floor fillers would be used judiciously um, to maybe recover a floor after a more obscure request is played that has a dozen or so people dancing it. These are all things that, you know, with advanced requests, you can anticipate. So having those uh, sent in, I think, helped for those in the DJ role, i.e. me. E.G. me? A.K.A. me? (laughs) I.E. Yeah, uh, that that was something that I um, definitely had in mind. Technique I didn't really have to worry about because you pretty much just show up and do what they say. And, yeah, that turned out fine. And then for the teaches, we, we didn't need a back wall or demo or anything like that, so we didn't have responsibilities there either. We already know our takedown and setup stuff for all the equipment, so most of it was trying to figure out how to get everybody dancing at least part of the event and feel like they had their requests played and their voices heard. But a lot of that didn't really come up until the day of. Yeah, I know. I know. So this didn't happen like specifically during the week in between the two events. Um, but like some of the focuses I know I was, I was definitely looking at is like, because we used uh, the recreation center offered on the campus of Sonoma State University through the Sonoma State Line Dance Club. So I was in communication with reserving the room for that and making sure that was available and figuring out a map to send people and where to direct them for parking and how much the cost would be, as well as um, we had organized ahead of time, like using the equipment that we got for the speakers and how to set it up and, you know, how, how much cable we needed for this and that and that kind of like nitty gritty stuff. We had very fortunately arranged with um, our good friend and our DJ on Thursday nights, Jeffrey Goodwin, um, to use his photo booth because he has, he has a photo booth that he rents out to people. And so we had a photo booth in the back corner with props and, you know, people had a lot of fun with that. Um, we had several different volunteers for decorating. And so we had like little accents on the table that looked like wine and somebody brought a couple little cowboy hats that they can hang places. And, you know, like, uh, our colors in balloons were around and we made signs to direct people to certain areas. And we had some of the, um, Sonoma State Line Dance Club members volunteer, so they got experience like how to do registration, and they helped clean up. Uh, I know one of the things that Dolly is amazing at is she always offers kind of like a potluck 
option. And so there was food all day long for people to nibble on. Uh, we did sell water bottles there, but there was also drinking fountains for people to, you know, bring their own. We had tables and chairs for people to sit and they were welcome to bring their own food as well. And I think there was just, it was nice, intimate, fun, but also a big enough event that you really felt like you were there experiencing it. So day of, how did you prepare uh, in your morning and what were the first couple hours like for you um, since we were assigned to be there a little early? Also, I guess if we go back another day, um, eh, all right, so you'll have some time to think about the day of because there really was a whole day of uh, experience to, to be had with the time leading up to the technique workshop, which itself was highly informative, just as any of the uh, dance teaches were on the following day on Saturday. Um, so your Friday, how, how did you uh, ease into your Friday evening when the event started and with whom did you spend it? Well, technically, my Friday day started Thursday morning at brunch with Dolly. <laughs> that was the last time we were able to meet up before the event. And we just, dis- we discussed like what we had in- anticipated and what we had planned for the following two days. And we knew that Amy and Darren were landing roughly at the Santa Rosa airport. Very, very small, small airport. Um, and I think there's like two check-in booths and that's about it. Um, at about 12.30 Friday morning afternoon. And so that was when we had like worked out that we had intended on like showing them around the area a little bit. And we had dinner plans and trying to set up a nice time frame to get from point A to point B and then still make it to the technique workshop on time. And for on time for us, it was before seven o'clock when the technique workshop was supposed to start at 7.30. So Friday morning, I woke up. I did my normal morning routine, which includes just the general getting ready, reading a little bit. Um, I have some homework that I'm working on. And um, I did a little bit, a little, little bit of what I normally do for a workout. And, you know, just getting a breakfast going. And I don't even remember what I ate, but I guess that's beside the point. Then um, I had spoken to Dolly because I guess apparently the plane was arriving early. So I had informed Iris who and Robert, who were hosting Amy and Darren at their house, um, that the plane was going to be arriving earlier than expected so that they had more time to get to the airport and pick up Amy and Darren. And then we were lucky enough, which I had met up with you later in the afternoon, I think around like one forty-five, two o'clock, we were headed to uh, the Coppola Winery out in Healdsburg, which if anybody's familiar, he it's the winery um, of the family that has all the directors, Francis Ford Coppola and Sophia Coppola. Um, and they have so much memorabilia. It's an amazingly gorgeous estate. So like, if you ever have a chance to visit this area, it is one of the wineries I highly recommend visiting, uh, just to look at the memorabilia that they offer there. 
um, from there, uh, they left and went to the Simi winery in this area and got to experience that. Whereas we went into a, a different winery um, because when we were that close, there's an exclusive bottle that is only sold at the wineries that we figure we would stop and pick up for other evenings. Um, as well as from there, uh, we headed to dinner and there was a, a nice little um, Mexican restaurant that's here pretty close to the campus itself that we were able to eat at and just kind of enjoy. Um, a few other people had joined us for dinner, so that was nice. And then we headed to Sonoma State and we got ready for the workshop. Uh, we arrived pretty much right on the money for like 7 o'clock. There was already some early bird people in the lobby and uh, we kind of got it all organized and everybody up up to the, the room that we were using and it's it actually once Dolly and I got things rolling and Lawrence stayed downstairs with me to help collect the the waivers that we needed to um, it worked out really well we were able to you know end up going and getting it started pretty close to on time I think we might have been a minute or two afterwards you had already been up in the room and you had started music playing so that some people could get like warmed up while they were waiting for us to you know officially start and then Darren gave an amazing amazing technique workshop he started with the bare bones basics which was just standing and that was I think the perfect place to start um and he started with turnout and how to find that and so it's fun there's a picture on uh, I think Jesse's Facebook page Jesse Chan um of everybody sitting on the floor to find out where their natural turnout is. So, although I said technically we started with standing, we started with sitting. <laughs> so, that was cool. And we just, we got some, you know, basic, um, just posture and balance exercises. We got, um, some isolation exercises and coordination, which was a lot of fun. People were laughing and enjoying while they were trying to figure out how to, have one arm do one thing and one arm do the other another thing as well as we got some nice t basic turn technique and how to prep and that kind of stuff and just I thought it was really well held and organized and like he kept the energy level up pretty much the whole time where it's like you felt like you were learning but you never felt like you were falling behind what about you what did your Friday look like well let's see I looked up uh, where Coppola is, and it's even farther north uh, than uh, Healdsburg in a place called Geyserville. And uh, nearby there are Claude Dubois and Trontadue, both of which I recommend. Um, when we made our way back south, uh, I stopped... Well, I dropped you off at um, where, where you had dinner, and then I had a very nutritious slap-together meal... <laughs> of um, rice, eggs, and corn. And then I brought that with me. Well, I think I also put some tomato. I think I had some like tomato soup in there, unless I did that later for other leftovers. Um, but it's pretty much everything you need for dancing. You know, it's got carbs and, and protein and, and uh, what is corn? Fiber? I don't know. More carbs. <laughs> carbs for days. 
Uh, at the workshop, I tried to just kind of play upbeat music that no one would necessarily dance to or feel like they were missing out on. So I had like got to be funky coming uh, over the speakers when people entered the room. And the first dance dance that I played was Dizzy, because I knew all of us knew that. Whether you go to the bars nearby, where we've taught Dizzy, or Sonoma State Line Dance Club, where we've taught Dizzy, or you go to events, or Boots and Buckles, or Quick Steppers, they do Dizzy. So that's, that's a good uh, tried and true dance for getting people warmed up and moving. I enjoyed the exercises that we did, because they all felt very common sense. Like, you could do those anywhere, and no one would really notice you would um, be able to do the standing ones in line at a grocery store. The arm ones where you swing your arms around for coordination might be a little more conspicuous. <laughs> but you can still do them. They'll just think you're flagging down a plane. Um, isolation. I think you would be able to do the head exercises, moving your head back and forth, front to back, in your car. Um, they, they, were, they were very uh, daily life could be made into regular routines re- kinds of exercises, not really obscure stuff that you need to have the, a bar and a ballet studio for. Uh, also, I thought that it was just just as a little nice thing. Um, it was, from what I could tell, easy for Darren to address our giant crowd of dancers without needing a microphone. Everyone maintained a respectful silence and... The acoustics of the room were such that he could just kind of project his voice a little like this, and they could hear him in the back. I thought that was that was good. Um, really shows you what what our line dancers are like in our world, I guess. Because um, some people, when they think line dance, they think, "Oh yeah, you know, let's go out and get drunk on Friday night and you know kick up our boots." And that is totally line dance. Absolutely, that's line dance. This also is line dance, <laughs> and you know we can work on how we move our bodies in a safe, casual, fun, laughter-filled environment where we don't think that we're doing what we're doing already wrong necessarily, but that there are things we can do to make some parts of dance easier and life overall better and safer for ourselves when we move. After that, I was very conscious of all of the announcements we were getting on the overhead speaker throughout the building. Uh, Attention, rec center participants. The building will be closed in one hour and so on. Um, They did that for one hour and then a half hour and then I think 10 minutes. So once it got toward 10 o'clock, I was ready to pack up and leave. And I think we were off off campus by like 10.10 or I was home somewhere around that time. And I was ready for bed at 10.30, which I knew I was going to need uh, to be because we were supposed to be in Petaluma at um, 8 8 a.m. And it's like the south, the southernmost point of Petaluma, as far south as you can go just about as far as exits. And um, what's that? As a for Sonoma County, because then you enter into Novato, which is Novato considered Marin. Yep. Yeah, so it was going to be a drive in the morning, and I wanted to be as uh, full of sleep as possible. So I got a nice early rest, did a little bit of reading, had some melatonin from Costco, and drank chamomile tea, all the things that you know you, you should do for a healthy night of sleep. And uh, I woke up, even before my alarm, the next day, 
at, I remember, 6.11 a.m., and my alarm was set for 6.30, because 10.30 to 6.30 would have been eight hours, but technically, by circadian rhythms, if you're going by hour-and-a-half cycles, uh, you should only, technically, in theory, um, end up having, like, seven-and-a-half before your next cycle restarts. So that was pretty close to, to mine restarting, so I'm, I'm not surprised that's when it happened. But once that happened, and I saw that, I'm like, that's it, I'm staying up. Uh, I got up and did a workout. Um, my pre-workout includes a lot of caffeine in its in its blend. It's got you know creatine, caffeine, a bunch of other good stuff. And um, caffeine usually takes about three hours to hit me at its peak. Uh, so from the time that I took it at six twenty-six, uh, three hours would have been nine thirty around the time our day would be starting. After you know arriving at the building and getting all set up. So I think I timed that pretty well, strategically even. Uh, and my blood had already been pumping from doing whatever lifts I was doing in my room. So with my upper body all all fired up, I was ready to get to the building and I guess do a little more lifting of things as we got all the equipment in, but then also do whatever lower body I would be with all the dancing that was to be held that day. What did your Saturday morning slash Friday night look like? <laughs> Well, my Friday night did not end until 3 o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning, because I was still doing finishing touches of certain things. Like I had uh, pre-prepped a playlist just so that if we needed to quick access any of the songs that were emailed in, which we took requests prior to the event, we had them request like three Amy dances, three Darren dances, and five additional dances. And I put together a spreadsheet and based it off the most requested items so that we knew like when like a request like Lay Low came in, that was one of the number one requested dances. And I think it was followed by My Rules by Amy. So it's like we knew we had to play those two, not just because it was their dances, but because those were the requested songs. Um, so I put together that playlist. Um, I was doing some finishing touches on trying to get some lists together for, to make the next day easier. I was looking at just different things of how to approach the next day to make it as timely efficient as possible. Because like you had said, we had to be there at 8am and registration opened at 915 so I knew that I needed to have the speaker equipment set up uh, and working with sound so that you could start playing music as people started arriving. Um, I was a few minutes late. I think it was like 8.03 or 8.04 by the time I got there. Um, and that was because they lost my Starbucks hot chocolate order. So I had to wait for them to remake it. It was supposed to be ready by the time I had arrived at Starbucks. So, only a few minutes, so it wasn't too bad. Um, and then, as soon as I got there, we unloaded Jeff's truck of all the equipment, and we started setting up and running cables and taping things down. Well, he was nice enough to start setting up the photo booth. Um, we had gotten the sound going, for the most part. Um, there was a little bit of... It sounded a little bit off to me when I was when we were playing sound, like, and getting it run. So I knew that I wanted to talk to him about adjusting the the volume or the volume, the the levels of it. 
so that it had the best sound possible because it still sounded like I was getting more sound out of one speaker than the other. And so I switched with him and I continued to set up the photo booth and he played with the music a little bit. And then once we got the photo booth up and running, um, I went out to the front tables to help our volunteers with the, um, the registration. The only thing is, they looked like they pretty much had everything under control. So I felt like I was one too many cooks in the kitchen. So I just kind of went and checked on you to make sure you were doing good and you had what you needed. Um, I checked with Dolly to find out if there was anything else we needed to set up. I worked with the photo booth a little bit more to make sure that it was indeed like calibrated correctly with photos and just kind of just started greeting people at that point and saying hi and welcoming them to the event and just kind of playing the host like I had intended to do um, and just tried to make it feel like I wanted to express the gratitude I felt that these people were willing to drive from wherever they were driving from to come and visit us. Like, I mean, I mean, yes, I know that they were here for Amy and Darren, but it was through Wine Country Line Dance. And a lot of people, it was like their first time crossing, you know, the bridges from the Bay Area to come and visit us. So that meant a lot to me that they had made the journey. So I wanted to make sure, like, I thanked them and really just wanted to express my own gratitude for that um it's just I double checked on the food table to make sure that we had like the coffee that we wanted and everything and they seemed like they were good and uh Cynthia and Denise were really good about getting all the decorations done and the prep for the raffle tickets all day long so that was nice so for the most part I just kind of floated early in the morning a uh, couple lessons and everything uh, in between all the different things that kind of like were going on just to make sure everybody had what they needed. There wasn't anything that was, you know, like wrong or that, you know, someone like, for instance, you, if you needed water or something like that, anything smallest thing, it didn't matter. I walked around the building and, and corrected a couple of the uh, directional signs we had up because they were not necessarily the most clear and concise where people could see them. So I reorganized those a little bit. Um, and then once the lessons really started going, I just kind of just observed for a little bit, socialized when I could with a couple people that were sitting down in between certain lessons for whatever reason. Um, I think I danced a little bit during the in between the lessons when we had a little bit of open dance requests playing. Um, after that, then there was uh, the lunch hour, which there was just more more dancing and more socializing and getting people ready for the afternoon check-in because the way we hosted this event was in different kinds of packages. We had the technique offered. So everything's available separately. You had the technique you had the beginner workshop in the morning from 10 a.m. until 1. You had a two, an hour lunch break. And then from 2 to 5, you had the intermediate. And then from 5 to 7.30 was the dinner hour. And then 7.30 to 11, which we actually ended up being able to squeeze in a couple more requests so that we went closer to 11.30, um, was open dance. 
Now, if you purchased any either of the beginner or the intermediate workshops, you got the open dance included. Otherwise, you can do an all-day pass, which included everything, or you can do the ultimate fan pass, which also included the technique workshop. And so we got ready for the second wave of intermediates registrations. Um, after that, I think it was just kind of being able to enjoy the event at that point and just kind of keep an eye out for things that maybe might make life a little bit easier. Uh, like for instance, we, Dolly and I had noticed that there was a lot more people coming in. So we had to find another table and chairs and figure out where to set it up. And so we were able to solve that very quickly. Um, and you know, just little things like that, just to make it so that people didn't have to worry and they could just enjoy, which was nice. And yeah, I mean, I thought Amy and Darren did an amazing job of bringing different levels of dances. Uh, they did a great job of alternating their teaches and they had an upbeat and then a slower one and then an upbeat and then a slower one. They had country and non-country and those alternated. So I think it was a really good overall balance of what an event can be. Because in this area, we really do have the biggest, and I would say even, mix of dancer preferences. Uh, so I, I liked that they were able to do that. Um, we never left the building. We stayed through lunch, we stayed through dinner, and we stayed till cleanup. And fortunately, one of our friends who was also attending event made a, a quick lunch run for us. So that was nice. And then uh, Lawrence brought some jambalaya for dinner. So that was nice as well. Very much appreciated that. And we just did a lot of open dancing during the dinner hour. And then the open dance officially started. And then we had the breakdown, which was a lot of work for me, which I'm used to because on the weekends, it's what I do with Jeff. I DJ and I run the photo booth, and so I'm used to breaking this kind of equipment down. I'm not used to, however, directing people on how to break it down. <laughs> so that was a different experience. Um, fortunately, some of our volunteers were there, and I was able to have them do some of the basic breakdown stuff, which was nice, um, like putting away all the props and breaking down the tables for the photo booth. And then I did the whole like saving the photos and that kind of situation. Um, you and I know how to break down the speaker equipment because we've done it so much at Hot Monk and Twin Oaks. So that was, that went by pretty quickly from what I saw. Um, and then we, we got out of there pretty close to when we were supposed to, which was nice. I think it was midnight. Um, I, however, had to wait with equipment a little bit longer because um, Jeff, who we, bar we got the equipment from, uh, was at a different event and he had gotten held behind a little bit later than he had originally anticipated. So I waited f with the equipment so that he could come and pick them up. But other than that, like... Pretty much most of my time was just spent socializing and, you know, just cleaning up a little bit here and there and just enjoying the event, which was really nice. What about you? What did it look like on the DJ side of things? Yikes. <laughs> Lots of balance. 
Lots of balance, juggling, and not much socializing. I was sitting pretty much the entire time. I got up for body talks to take that lesson, um, since they didn't really need somebody right there in front of the play button until it got to be music time. And people would tell me about things like there being food at the far end of the room that I never saw. (laughs) And... Uh, you mentioned Lawrence, but also shout out to Leah for getting the food from Trader Joe's that like kept me alive. Al- uh, saying alive is you know is, is strong, but uh, definitely nourished for the second half of the day. Uh, I wish I would have been able to take more photos with people in the photo booth, also on the far side of the room, or seen the decorations on the tables on the far side of the room. Uh, I got to hang out with anyone who came to my side of the room. That was nice. Thank you to all those people. Alex came and visited, and Steph, um, our, our former president of Sonoma State Line Dance Club, she came and hung out for a little bit. So I definitely appreciated the visits. It was interesting seeing it from the JP and Louie side of things, what it is that they must experience on a regular basis, and how it is nice when somebody comes up and asks, hey, do you need any water? And... I was the person as Louis or as JP has been to me when he said, "Oh no, it's good. I'm covered. I got some right here." But thank you. Like I did have some uh, right there, but thank you. Somebody, uh, Cynthia, came up and asked um, uh, about water, and yeah, I just took it. Just because you know, why not? You're better to have an extra bottle than not, and it's nice of them to ask. Yeah. Um, I believe Cynthia's brother also made us a quick Starbucks run. I got some hot chocolate, and I think you got a cider, if I remember yes. correctly. Yes, thank you for mentioning that as well. Uh, Kaylin also got me uh, a caramel apple cider. And just those little things, that's nice. You know, it's uh, it's something that you especially appreciate when you are sitting for that long. And honestly, you really don't even get much of a chance to look up. I remember we've talked before uh, at, at uh, Hot Monk and Twin Oaks, DJing there, how... You need to remember as a DJ to look up because all you see are people's requests and the stress of trying to get everything organized so that you have upbeat and then slower and the country, non-country. Is the choreographer in the room? Okay, I'll put a couple, but I don't want to burn them out. So many things to think about. And just when you think you've got it all figured out, you've got the next five sorted. You're like, perfect. Ah, I got all the factors. Great. Somebody says they're about to leave. And they're like, oh. Okay, I guess I better put theirs on next, but that throws off my next five. Uh, but what you need to do is look up and see all the happy people who are dancing something that they are happy to be dancing. And then you don't stress out too much. You think like, well, okay, something must be going right here. Um, otherwise, you would just get covered and, and buried in the stress of trying to get it all done. And it's fun. It's like a puzzle trying to... It's it's like a logic puzzle. We may have mentioned in a previous episode how it's like those puzzles that you do as a kid that say, you know, person A is wearing a red hat. Person B is sitting across from someone with a red hat but never sits next to anyone wearing blue. Person D is wearing blue or something like that. And you need to figure out who's sitting where, how to sort it all out so that there's just optimal balance. And that um, striking that balance takes a lot of rejiggering of things in your mind. And one thing that I have found can be helpful or not helpful depending on the context is having, like you were saying, more cooks. 
Um, because as, as much as something will seem logical to you, somebody else can come along and say, no, we need to do this right now because such and such person is saying this. And you're like, but I don't want to do that. That doesn't make any sense. This, this other logic means that this should happen. However, if you are also, again, doing it all by yourself, you may miss a lot of things like what's going on in the opposite side of the room. And if somebody has been sitting down too long that you don't see, that's when it is helpful just to have that uh, extra voice. So on the one hand, it can make things more stressful. On the other hand, it can make the event run more smoothly. And I think a lot of it is um, uh, if there's if there's a way to say that you were successful in you know achieving your objective, it's a couple of things. One of which is accepting you're not going to make everyone happy. People have been telling me this since we started asking. Uh, when, whether it was talking to Louis in 2015 or JP informally and again on record in Line Dance Podcast previous interview. Uh, they know that if you can make 80% of people happy, that's still really good. Like it doesn't seem like good because there's 20% still hanging out. That's, you know, mad. Uh, as Dave Baycroft said, you know, just imagine someone somewhere in this room has a complaint for you, possibly about you. And your job is to defuse that as quickly as you can before they even think to come up to say something. Cause, Oh, you fixed it. So they don't have to now. Just assume someone always has a problem. That's a really stressful way to live. Uh, but it, it can help you long-term over the course of an event to decrease what will build up later when everybody feels like they need to say something all at the same time and you didn't solve those problems farther in advance. Um, so yeah, assuming everyone has a problem and accepting that you're not going to make everyone happy um, Plus, you know, uh, taking the good points where you can, seeing where people are being uh, happy and fulfilled and, and dancing with their friends and living the dream, dancing next to the choreographer, all those things. Uh, all of those things and also remembering there's always next time. This is not necessarily the last time you will get to work out all the kinks and, and play all the things perfectly. There is never necessarily going to be a perfect and when you have that many people all with multiple requests, mathematically, you're not going to get them all in. You have to be realistic and hopefully they will understand that. Uh, but also you need to accept that they probably won't. It's not their job to. Uh, as dancers, all they need to do is show up, you know, preferably if they pay their money in advance, then they've paid and then they show up and, uh, you know, they have a good time. Maybe they get their, their requests played. Maybe they don't. Maybe they say something about that. Maybe they don't. Uh, maybe they thank you and maybe they don't. Uh, but it's all, all they're really supposed to do is come and have a good time. Your job is to do the work and take on the stress. And that's you know just part of, part of the gig. So uh, as long as you go into that with a clear head and you don't think, oh, I'm going to have a great time and everyone's going to love everything I play and then be horribly disappointed when that's not the case at all. Uh, if you go in with, with reasonable expectations and hopefully you give the dancers reasonable expectations, uh, as we were saying earlier, like maybe letting them know, Hey, it's an hour till the end of the event. We can play about 20 more. There are 50 on this list right now. They're not all going to get played. Please come up and say that one that you want to dance just so they don't think, Oh, he's totally going to play my top six. Like I can feel it. It's, it's that kind of night. Everything's going my way. Oh, he only played five. It's terrible. He's, ter he's terrible. Let's ban him from the building. Worst stage ever. Not going to deal with him ever again. Like 
if everyone has reasonable expectations, then a balanced playlist that makes the most number of people happy should be all that you need. And I think that that is what I was going for overall. Maybe, maybe it happened. I don't know. We'll find out when the feedback forms come in, which I think were a great idea. I'm glad that those were out on the table for people to uh, fill out. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned the look up because I definitely had a few of those moments after running around a bunch where I sat down next to you at the DJ booth and just kind of took a breath and just kind of looked up and I was just watching and I was watching all of these people take this lesson by either Amy or Darren and just how engaged and some of them were almost like enchanted by them and just like they were just in that moment experiencing it and it just gave me such an amazing feeling of gratitude and fortune that this was something I was able to be a part of and I know there was one or two times that I had, I had turned to you and I'm like, it's very weird to be in this seat looking up at the stage and know that we not only have them here in our area, because there's been a few events that we've missed when, like, for instance, Joey Warren taught at Swiss Park or J- Joe, was she in Fremont, I think, or Newark? She taught in Newark, and we had missed those events. Or I missed the Roy Hadashibrota with Wine Country Line Dance, which you were able to attend, which is nice. Um, but I missed all the ones wherein they had, like, Maurice Rowe and Niels Polson, and they had Will Craig, and they had uh, Guyton Mundy. You know, these are all people that have taught for Wine Country Line Dance, and it's like, where were we? There was the Amy and Friends with Guyton and Rachel. And it's like... Where were we? This is our area. What were we doing? And to know that not only are we here with everybody, but we're a part of putting it on. Like it was just, it was such a cool feeling for me. And I was just certainly overwhelmed by the fact that, you know, it's been two years of talk and planning and here it is unfolding right before my eyes. And it was just, it was such a special feeling for me. And I'm so eternally grateful for Dolly Urquhart and her trust and her willingness to include me specifically. But I'm assuming I can speak for you and say you as well. Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, in being able to help host this event, like I definitely, I, f- I count myself very fortunate that I was able to experience what I did. And it's, it's certainly one of those things that, like I said, I'm very much looking forward to what we already have in the works for next year. Yeah. You, you were saying, you know, where would we be, uh, or like what, what were we doing, uh, during these events that we were missing this whole time? And we were dancing at Mavericks. Uh, we were dancing at Kodiak's, all these things were happening around us. Uh, I was on road trips to San Bernardino, I guess, um, at a time when I was still looking for you know all the dances done in country bars, while the experience was in San Francisco in that October, Fred was here too. Fred was here too, right? There's there's just a lot to miss, and then I was thinking, and you know we we would have missed this one if we were if if Mavericks had stayed open, but wait, we wouldn't have missed this one because it never would have existed in the first place because. You would still be dancing there. I'd still be thinking about all the country bar dances. And nobody would have contacted Amy and Darren to say, come dance in our area. So uh, 
it, it definitely gives you that sense of like silver lining when something that you think uh, is great has gone from your life like Mavericks was uh, for us. Like that was our place. It had a great floor, good lighting, fun DJs. Uh, all the people we knew who danced at the time were there. Like, it's gone, yes, but now look how much has been able to come from that. Uh, even you know having the club people there, I don't think I would have if we it, okay when we when Sonoma State Line Dance Club started, it was mostly to teach them what was done at Mavericks, so that we could learn the dances, get them all down, so that we could you know request them when we got there, and then dance them, and that was it. That was all. That was the entire set of dances that existed in the world. Um, thank you, Mavericks, for teaching us those forty, <laughs> maybe sixty. And if they hadn't closed, I wouldn't have felt that need to go to places like the Grad and Stoney's and SoCal and Bakersfield and Slow, everywhere that there was within driving distance, and learn those dances and bring them back for Lion Dance Club, and. If that hadn't happened, if I hadn't gone looking for these other dances and discovering, wait, there are other dances. How do I differentiate them? Oh, oh, there are choreographers of these other dances. Uh, then I wouldn't have known the significance of you know meeting somebody like Guyton or Roy or Joe or Amy at that first Vegas. And because of that, I wouldn't have thought more about like, looking at step sheets on copper and I was a total video person then I was just you know look up the video learn it that way monkey see monkey do um, but then when you need to look up step sheets and send a person the correct link um, you start getting more acquainted with the characters behind the scenes you know the, the choreographers who release something from like Denmark or somewhere and you know, you don't imagine they'll actually ever come out to your area but sometimes Roy does from the Netherlands <laughs> Or Niels from Denmark, uh, as, as you're saying off, off uh, microphone. Uh, like, these kinds of events that we think are, just like before, we thought you know, the dances were just handed down to us and they appeared in the bars as if they always were. Um, these people can be contacted and places can be rented. You can do this yourself. After we were done, I was, I was remarking like, ah, oh, why don't we do this every weekend? Like, this is, this is so easy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah, there's a lot of running around, but like, it's so possible to do. You don't know until you do it yourself because you just think, well, the choreographers will handle the choreography, but wait, what if I choreograph something? You know, what if I try to teach somebody how to do this dance? I don't need to just say, hey, local instructor, can you teach this so my friend can learn it? Wait, what if... What if I do it myself? What if I host this event myself and get this equipment myself so I don't need somebody else always to be doing the cool things that I have in mind? Uh, all of these things came from the existing setup, Mavericks, going away, which, again, at the time was sad, but opened up so many possibilities from there. And if they hadn't closed and we hadn't been forced into the tiny box that is Tradewinds, you and I might not have hung out more and you know, we wouldn't be doing this episode right now. Yeah, that's certainly a true what if, if you ask me. It's, it's certainly a, it was very sad that Mavericks closed and it took me a little while to find a new place to dance. And then we start, the, I joined a dance team that hosted and then you joined, you showed up one night and 
we were both just in that situation where I was like, hmm, I'll just ask you to dance. And then you had asked if I had ever been to the grad or Stoney's in Sacramento. And I was like, no. And you're like, well, I'm going to go meet some people out there. Did you want to come? And I was like, sure, why not? And then you convinced me to go to Vegas. And I am still so eternally grateful for your effort in trying to sway me to experience what is Vegas dance explosion. And since then I've just been, what else can I do? What else, what more can I learn? What more can I experience that's out there that I originally didn't know about when it comes to dancing? I mean, in life too, but mostly specifically speaking about line dancing. And I definitely have to say, I have loved all of it. I love being a dancer. I enjoy being a volunteer. I am on cloud nine when I am an instructor. And I it was totally surreal being an event host. And I love all of it. And I can't wait to do this for the rest of my life. And have more stories like this that I get to share with people and memories. And I'm just, I'm very excited. I'm still not done with the event because there's still extra things after the fact that I'm putting together. Like for instance, I'm going to be putting online a online digital photo album for all of the photos that were taken at the photo booth. And there's a few things that I'm sending out to certain individuals like thank you notes and whatnot. So I'm, I'm still... We're still in the aftermath for me at least, but I am so eternally grateful for everyone who chose to attend the event. I am very glad that Amy and Darren were able to join us, and I am very grateful to Jeff for being around the last few years and teaching me about how to DJ and set up these this equipment and teaching me about the photo booth and how to give that something personal extra that I have naturally in my own personality and like what I can bring to an event and like just trusting myself more about it like Jeff has just been an amazing mentor with all of that and I'm so grateful to him and it's just, it's a great, it was a great event. And I was so pleased that I, I saw nothing but smiles. And that was such a good, good, good feeling. Cause I mean, obviously like for me being one of the hosts that had the opportunity to fix any of the problems, I was trying to look to see if there was that one person not enjoying themselves so I could make it better for them. And there was you know, a few opportunities that I was able to draw attention, whatever, to Dolly. And we were able to work out a few things behind the scenes prior to the event that um, I had thought about last minute, like, oh, what if this happens? And she goes, oh, good point. Let's go ahead and just prepare and do this instead. And we cleaned it up before it became even an issue. And that was definitely something that I was really grateful for and she even included me on some of the ones uh, that she had come up with so it was very much a communication partner kind of situation at least I felt on my end that we were able to really put on put our best foot forward I think and we like I said we had talked about just 
what extra we could offer. And I just, I liked the touch of the wine country because that is where we're at. I mean, there's so much wineries around here. We are called wine country line dance. So what else can we offer to make this very specific to our area? A couple, well, I forgot what the third one was, but there were three things that I had in mind. One was infrastructure and one's follow up. Uh, One, I, I remember remarking to you when we looked up at the speakers that we would not have been able to do uh, all of this, you know, mixer stuff and you know, having the photo booth if we didn't know Jeff, if we didn't have this relationship with Jeff going back how many years to again Mavericks closing and Lakeside Bar and Grill not working out with uh, with the location where Ron was our DJ and Trade Winds, you know, it was it was an, an attempt uh, as well. And uh, Hot Monk, we've been doing since, oh, I guess maybe five years ago or so. Well, let's see. No, it wouldn't have been five years ago because five years ago Mavericks was still open. So it would have had to have been 2015 or 2016. Uh, I think 2015 because Line Dance Club was part of that. I thought Jeff said about five years for Hot Monk because it's been two years for Twin Oaks already. Right. And Hot Monk, I remember um, doing a group photo with um, some of the Line Dance Club people who I didn't meet until late 2014. So it would have been probably 2015-ish because, again, Mavericks had to close before we would want to compete against them. Uh, we wouldn't have needed anywhere to dance if it hadn't been for them closing. So it, it, I would say about four years. Uh, but anyway, so we wouldn't have been able to do all that without um, Jeff being our local DJ because like we were saying what would we have done? They called JP and see if he had stuff in a storage locker somewhere in SoCal and drive it back up. Um, wine country. I didn't start dancing at wine country regularly until after the Roy social. As far as I recall, I remember going occasionally, but I wouldn't have had that urge to find somewhere to dance unless Mavericks had been gone. So, you know, we had huge partners on this being Dolly and Jeff and both for kind of post Mavericks reasons. Um, so definitely like talk to the people in your dance circle and see, uh, what it is that they do. And if you have like this big, bring everyone together vision, like see how everyone can be part of it. Also the aftermath thing. Um, there are, for any of those who do have that itch now, uh, there are places where people can dance. And, uh, I want to definitely say wine country line dance has a social on the second Sunday of every month. Dolly has her own social for her students and anyone else who'd like to attend on the fourth Sunday of every month uh, at the Rona Park Senior Center. Uh, the Wine Country one is in San Rafael at uh, Dance Arts Studio. And, of course, we do our Thursday, first and third Thursdays at Twin Oaks, four, second and fourth Thursdays at Hot Monk. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we do Sonoma State Line Dance Club. Pretty soon we're going to be at a winery that we'll tell you more about when we have more information. And you have an additional thing that you're gesturing toward. I say we have boots and buckles. We have country quick steppers and country hustlers all in the Bay Area. Uh, boots and buckles does second and fourth Fridays. I believe country quick steppers is first and third Saturdays. Not sure about country hustlers. Yeah, that was what I was thinking of. Too. So there's definitely places still to dance. Right. So definitely reach out to us at linedancepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions about that. Uh, and where you can go to dance because we may be dancing there ourselves, whether uh, locally or at the Grad or Stonies or Saddle Rack, uh, anywhere that we may happen to find out about. Apparently, Berman Highway has been doing some kind of dance thing. We can check that out at some point as well. 
Uh, also, shout out to Lion Dancer Radio, LionDancer-Radio.com. We are on the Lion Dancer Radio uh, DJ team, and we have been for some number of months now. We're very happy to be broadcasting to you each week from Lion Dancer, as well as LionDancePodcast.com, where you can catch all of our old episodes. For Lion Dance Podcast, this has been Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barthelia. Thank you for tuning in once again, and until next time, we will see, see you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.